Well, I love this time of year. I love um, the decorations. I love the anticipation and the joy and excitement. I love singing uh, Christmas carols. Um, and w- one of the uh, more popular Christmas songs uh, that I was thinking about this week is the song "Mary, Did You Know?" Right? Many, not most, if not all of you, know the song "Mary, Did You Know?" Right? Which the song asks the question, you know, did Mary know when her child was born, the things that he would do or uh, really who he was? Did she grasp those things early on? But I want to ask you a similar question this morning, but at the same time, a, a different question. What do you know about Mary? Now, we tend to stay away from much talk about Mary in Baptist churches because it feels too Roman Catholic. But the Bible talks about Mary quite a bit. Uh, In the Gospel of Luke in particular, which is uh, what we're going through for our Christmas series, is through Luke chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. Luke talks about Mary. Uh, Matthew talks about Mary in his Gospel. And if we don't talk about Mary, then that means we're skipping over some things that the Bible says. And uh, we're also neglecting one of the chief ways that Christians talk about Jesus. Uh, we've talked before about the Apostles' Creed, right? Which is one of the oldest statements of faith uh, that Christians all over the world for 2,000 years nearly uh, have confessed together. A simple statement about we believe in God, the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And the first thing it says about Jesus that Christians all over the world, no matter their denomination, no matter what church they grew up in, believe that I believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So uh, this part of how we talk about Jesus is by talking about Mary. Now, in the early days of the church, there was a controversy about how we should talk about Mary. And the reason why there was a controversy about how we talk about Mary is not because people were really concerned about Mary herself, but because the way we talk about Mary is also the way we talk about Jesus. Or let me say it this way. What we say about Mary also says something about Jesus. The controversy in the early days of the church was whether or not it was appropriate to call Mary The mother of God. Now, as soon as I say that phrase, the mother of God, you're probably thinking, well, we're Baptists. We don't say that, right? Or even just like Protestants. Do we say that? Is it only Catholics that say Mary is the mother of God? But here's what the controversy was about. There was no Protestant-Catholic divide back then. But there was a divide in the church between people who believed the truth about Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man, and people who denied that truth. And the people who denied that truth did not want to call Mary the mother of God, not because they thought that was saying too much about Mary, but because they thought that was saying too much about Jesus. Because they didn't believe that the child in Mary's womb was truly God. So they were okay with calling Mary the mother of Christ, because they did believe he was the Messiah, but they didn't want to call Mary the 
mother of God because they didn't believe that Jesus was truly and fully God. Now, by even talking about this, you may think I've gone off the Protestant Baptist rails this morning talking about Mary, the mother of God. But stick with me and see if the Bible doesn't say something just like this. If the Bible doesn't tell us about who Jesus is by how the Bible itself talks about who Mary is. So let's look together in our Bibles at the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 39, and I'll read down to verse 56. And what I want you to see is that when the Bible talks about Mary, it's really talking about Jesus. In other words, when the, what the Bible says about Mary, it says about Mary to help us understand Jesus, to know who Jesus is. So let's look at what Mary says, what Elizabeth says, in order to help us know better who Jesus is. So verse 39 says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now, before this moment, we have seen two announcements that took place that sort of converge in this story. The first announcement we saw at the beginning of Luke chapter 1 was when the angel spoke to Zechariah when he came to burn incense in the temple and told Zechariah that his wife would have a son. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were both old. Uh, Elizabeth was barren, but God promised them a son. And sure enough, uh, Elizabeth conceived, and uh, she was. Uh, they were told that the son she was going to bear would be named John. Ultimately, he becomes John the Baptist. And they were told that he would be filled with the Spirit even from his mother's womb. That's important 
to remember. Next announcement was to Mary. The same angel, Gabriel, came to Mary and told her that she would bear a son, and her son would be the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. He would be conceived in Mary's womb, though Mary was a virgin. In some mysterious way, the Holy Spirit would cause this child to be born of Mary, and uh, his name would be Jesus. And he would save his people. He would be the one Savior that God had been promising since the beginning of the Bible. His very own Son come to take on flesh and be born of a woman and yet remain fully and truly God. And when that angel told Mary this, he also told her that her relative Elizabeth, who had been barren, had now conceived and was already in the sixth month of her pregnancy. And the angel told her that, no doubt, to help Mary believe that God could do this incredible thing that the angel had just told her he was going to do. And so that is almost certainly why, in verse 39, Mary went to Elizabeth's house. She wanted to see this thing that God had told her about. Elizabeth and Mary are both experiencing things that they never expected to experience in supernatural ways. And when there are not many people in the world who have gone through what you've gone through, you have a special connection with people who have gone through the same kind of thing, right? And so Mary probably is, she needs somebody to talk to, right? And wants to talk to Elizabeth about what's going on. And so she goes to the house of Zechariah, excuse me, Zechariah, And she greets Elizabeth, and verse 41 says, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Now remember, we were told by the angel that this baby would be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while in his mother's womb. So this is not just, you know, a baby doing baby things, right? Because babies move in the womb, right? This is more than that. This is when Mary shows up and greets Elizabeth. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. In fact, Elizabeth herself says later in verse 44, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. What's implied there is that John recognizes Mary the mother of Jesus, who John is going to prepare the way for, again, in some mysterious way, he knows who this is, and he responds with joy at the the arrival of Jesus in his home. Not only that, but it also says in verse 41 that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's something we need to know about this. Uh, One of the things I remember from one of my teachers in school years ago, uh, a professor I loved, he was, man, he was super hard. He was a tough teacher, but I could listen to him talk about the Gospels for hours. And one of the things he told us that has always stuck with me is that in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, because Luke also wrote Acts, in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, anytime someone is said to be filled with the Holy Spirit, They speak for God. 
So when Luke tells us Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's telling us what Elizabeth is about to say is not Elizabeth's idea. It's not Elizabeth's guess or hypothesis or what she wants to be true. What she is about to say ultimately comes from the Holy Spirit of God. She is about to speak God's word. In this moment, Elizabeth is no less inspired than the Apostle Paul when he wrote his letters, or John when he wrote his gospel, or anybody else. Here's what Elizabeth says. So she's filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says, verse 42, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So, here's what she says. She says that Mary is blessed. Now, we looked at this last time. The reason why Mary has this special privilege of blessing is not because Mary is sinless or perfect or somehow special or, more, or better than anybody else in the world. But it's because God chose her. To be the mother of the Messiah. God poured out his grace on her. The angel Gabriel, when he came to her, said, Greetings, O favored one. You have found favor with God. And that word favor just means grace. God has graced you. God has blessed you. Mary has this special position, in other words, not because of who she is, but because of what God decided to do for her. So she's blessed, Elizabeth says, blessed among women. And she says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. She too knows that the baby that Mary carries is not just any baby. Somehow, we're not told about how or when, but somehow God has evidently revealed to Elizabeth also that Mary's child is going to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. Because then she says... Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth is a lot older than Mary. Elizabeth is beyond her childbearing years, most likely, right? She's she's older. Mary is young, not yet married, though she is betrothed. And yet Elizabeth is the one who is amazed that Mary would come to visit her. Why? Because Mary has now been set apart by God for a task that nobody else in history will ever be given was ever given in the past or ever will be given again. Mary is the only one. Elizabeth says, you are the mother of my Lord. What does Mary have to know? Excuse me, what does Elizabeth have to know about the baby that Mary carries to be willing to call him before he's even born? My Lord. Isn't that often what God is called in the Bible, my Lord. Whenever Thomas, doubting Thomas, makes his confession at the end of the Gospel of John, he sees Jesus risen from the dead. 
is allowed to touch Jesus' hands and feet and side, he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Is it all that different for Elizabeth to call Mary the mother of my Lord and for people in the early church to call Mary the mother of God? When they call Mary the mother of God, when Elizabeth calls her the mother of my Lord, they're not saying that Mary somehow originates God or gives or creates God, like she's greater than God. That's not at all what they're talking about. They're saying that who Mary carries is the Lord, is God in the flesh. However imperfectly, Elizabeth already seems to begin to grasp that about this child. She also says, verse 45, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary, you're blessed because you believed what the angel said. In the background here is the fact that Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, did not believe what the angel said. And what happened to him? He got struck dumb, right? He's mute. He can't speak until his son is born, but not Mary. Mary believed what the angel said, as unbelievable as it was, and that's one of the reasons why she is blessed. In that way, Mary is a model for us, just like Abraham is. Abraham in the Bible is the man of faith. He believed That God would keep his promise when he said, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you numerous offspring, and I'm going to bless you. His wife also was barren. He had no children, no land. He was no one. But for years, even for decades, he believed God's promise, even though he saw none of it. Until eventually, one day, God gave his wife, Sarah, a son, Isaac, And now the offspring of Abraham are as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham's faith is a model for our faith, that we believe God, even when we can't see what he's promised. And so is Mary. Mary believed God when God told her something essentially unbelievable. Only God could do something like that. Nobody would normally think anything like that would happen. But God told her that it would, and so Mary believed what he said. There are things that God tells us that are hard to believe. Because we can't see them. They're not happening yet. They're going to happen in the future, or we have to wait for them to happen. What are we to do? Be like Mary who when God told her she was going to have this child, said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Say, God, you do what you want. You do what you will. I'm your servant. I belong to you. I trust you. That's one of the reasons why Mary was blessed. Then Mary herself responds, And notice what she does. Mary does not say, ooh, yes, I love all this. Call me blessed. Talk about how great I am. That's not what Mary does. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. 
And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary is a humble person who praises God, who delights in God, who rejoices in God. And when Elizabeth talks about how rich Mary's blessings are, Mary says essentially, yes, but those blessings have come from God. They they, they didn't come to me because of who I am or anything I've done. They've come to me from the Lord. And Mary has this moment where she is just apparently overwhelmed with all that God has done and how great God is. And so she exalts Him who has exalted her. Now, not Mary and not anybody else can live at this level of like of rejoicing all the time. Right? When sometimes when, when we read the Bible, we read the Psalms about you know rejoicing and, and uh, you know singing and let everything clap their hands and stuff, and there there are times where we don't feel like that, right? And when you don't feel like that, you kind of you wonder if something's wrong with you or something. But then you read other Psalms and you're like, oh no, this guy was sad sometimes too, right? And he had hard days too. You don't have to live all the time at my soul magnifies the Lord. I'm just always full of this you know, overwhelming joy. I, can't, I just can't wait to get it out. But you do need to have some moments like that. right? There ought to be at least some times where it just it, it comes over you what God has done and how great God is. And that's what happens to Mary here. So she's magnifying the Lord. She's rejoicing in God. And, and she tells us why. Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I'm not anybody special. In fact, I'm, I'm less than special. If Mary had not been chosen for this task, if she had not been set apart by God to give birth to the Messiah, to the Son of God, you and I would certainly never have heard of her. And probably most people in Mary's own day would not have known who she was. She's not a significant person. But this is how God works. All through the Bible, He picks the people that nobody else would pick and says, that's the person I'm going to use to accomplish my purpose. Joseph in the Old Testament, even his own brothers hated him. Threw him in a pit. Wanted to kill him. Decided instead to make some money off of him. And sold him as a slave. But he was the one that God chose to raise to second in command in Egypt under only Pharaoh himself. So that when the famine came, his family would be rescued. God's people would be delivered so that the Messiah could come. When God was ready to appoint a king for Israel who would be a man after his own heart... When the family God had chosen for for that king to come from was summoned to a feast with Samuel, Hannah's son, so that the new king could be anointed, they didn't even invite David to dinner. When it became clear that none of the sons who had been invited were the ones God had chosen to be king, they had to go get David from the field where he was watching the sheep and bring him so that he could be anointed to be king. Because that's the one God chose. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 1, looks out over the church at Corinth and says, you know what I see when I look out at our church? 
I don't see a bunch of powerful, important, world shaker kind of people. I see normal people. I see the kind of people that the world often overlooks, but that God loves and chooses. Mary says, that's, that's me, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry the Messiah. I'm nobody. I'm just a servant. But God has looked upon my humble estate. And so she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She knows this is going to stick with me forever. This is now who I am. God has brought me into this story in such a way that people will be talking about me from now on, just like you and I are doing this morning. That we will say, man, Mary was blessed. Yes, there was hardship and pain and difficulty that came with what God called her to do. But what a privilege, too. She says in verse 49, He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. And here's what He's done, verse 51. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. When Think about, this. Think about this. When King Herod hears the news that the king of the Jews has been born, when the wise men come, what does he do? He trembles with rage because he both hates and fears the idea that God might have chosen a king other than him. He slaughters innocent children in Bethlehem to try to get rid of the newly born Messiah. Because what is God doing? He's scattering the proud and exalting the humble. This child born of a poor family from an out-of-the-way village, he is exalting and lifting up because that's what God does. He turns the world upside down. Verse 53 says, He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent empty away. Verse 54, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Jesus Himself will teach these same things In his most famous sermon when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. Theirs is the kingdom of God. If you are looking for where God is at work in the world right now, the expected places are the unexpected places. In the world's eyes, the expected places are the places of power. Heads of state, judges, celebrities, public intellectuals. But those who are attuned to how God works know that the expected places, according to God's standards, are not the seats of power. 
but the places where normal people gather in the name of the Lord. You're much more likely to see what God is up to, not if you look to Washington, D.C. or the state capitol or wherever, but if you look at small churches and out-of-the-way places, if you look at people who are poor and disadvantaged, if you look among not only the people but the nations that are often forgotten or overlooked, God is often doing more in those places we don't even think about than in the places that we often obsess about. That's how God works. He works where no one expects except the people who've been paying attention to where God works. Finally, Mary says that God has kept his promises. Verse 54 and 55, he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. God promised way back in the days of Abraham that he would send a child who would reign, who would be king, who would save his people, who would bring blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And that's exactly what he did. That's why right before he went to the cross, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I came not just for the Jews, I came for the nations. I came for the Gentiles. I came for all the world. His death and resurrection is the way that God brings blessing to everyone who trusts in Him. And if that sounds hard to do, how can I believe that somehow this man dying and rising 2,000 years ago has anything to do with me being saved and right with God and, and new life? Just ask yourself this. Is that harder to believe than it was for Mary to believe that she would have the Son of God in her womb? I think what Mary believed was harder. But it's all faith. Do you believe that what God says He's up to is the truth? Do you trust His Word? If you do, you will be blessed. You will receive that salvation. So what is so significant about Mary is not Mary. It's not who she is. It's not what she did. It's who she carried. The child who is both son of God and son of man. Because the son of God took on flesh in her womb. So with Elizabeth, we confess that Mary is the mother of our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. She is blessed. And we are blessed. Not by her, or through her, or because of her. But because God, through her, brought His Son into the world. And He is not only the Christ, He is God in the flesh and our only Savior. Let's pray.